Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Let's not waste any time. Let's dive right in and get into some very high-profile legal stuff. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So, Hammer, you gotta remember last year, Indiana was the first state to enact legislation to ban abortion after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, right? Right. A lot of other states already had those, what they call trigger laws in place, but Indy was the first to call the special session, um, even though I don't believe even though that wasn't the original intent of the special session, right. if you recall. So, fast forward to today, uh, the Indiana Supreme Court heard arguments from both sides of the state's near-total abortion ban. You remember it was a, a Republican in Owen County, a judge, who approved the temporary hold of that law last fall. So this is the one that the ACLU had filed, and that judge said, all right, hold everything right here. Hold on. Let's just go back to what we were doing here and let the Indiana Supreme Court handle this. Today, arguments were made from both sides of the aisle. The pro-life people had their voices heard, and the folks on the other side had their voices heard today. And it sounds like everything went very well. It was a very civil debate, and now we wait. So the arguments have been made. No more arguments will be heard for this big high-profile case. So now we play the waiting well, game. Well, yeah, and we don't have any clue as to when that decision is going to come down. It could be uh, in five minutes. It could be in five days. It could be in 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 a year from now. I don't think it'll take that much time, but I do find it curious that the Supreme Court justices are all appointed by Republican governors, <laughs> you know, as to which way the decision's going to fall. If you were a betting man, which you are, you know the odds, you know the percentages. What do you think? What do you see here? I, like, you If I had to put money down, I think your Indiana Supreme Court will go along with the national Supreme Court and what they ruled, which basically is how we got here in the first place. But just because a judge was appointed by a Republican doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go the way that you want politically. How many times have we had stories here from the Supreme Court where Kavanaugh has gone a little squirrely or Gorsuch gotten a little squirrely? Roberts, yeah. And Roberts might as well have a D next to his name. (laughs) So uh, just pump the brakes a little bit. The arguments have been made and like i said the waiting is the hardest part somebody cue up the tom petty here the waiting is going to be what we're doing right now but i do like the fact that both sides had fair arguments time it was civil there were no lunatics running through there splattering blood on people or holding up those gross signs about abortion one way or the yeah, other those graphics yeah uh, the other curious thing i was just watching up uh, on the tv behind us here is that the supreme court still hasn't found the leak 
Remember the leak of the uh, the Roe v. Wade decision that caused a bunch of controversy, put Supreme Court justices' lives in danger, was designed to scare and intimidate Supreme Court justices into to, uh, deciding one way or the other on Roe v. Wade? They still haven't found the leak. They've interviewed like 80-plus people. There's What did they say? 80 to 100 people had access to those decisions, and they still haven't figured it out. They said they've narrowed it down. Oh, okay. <laughs> But okay. you guys, this is like, you're supposed to be the best at the world at, at this, at, at at being a lawyer and, be, and, and being an investigator. You have access to the best in the world. You can't find out who leaked this decision. You sound surprised that the Biden administration's <laughs> well, I mean, Department of Justice has not quite got to the bottom yeah. of something that they wanted to happen. Well, I think Roberts is the one that was heading up the investigation there in the Supreme Court. I don't know who all they were working with, whether it was you know, Merrick Garland of the Department of Justice or the FBI. I, I have no idea. Uh, but the fact that it's been this long and lives were put in danger. Kavanaugh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, uh, you know, an attempted assassination on his life zip ties and uh box cutters you found in this guy's uh, backpack that was trying to break in and the fact that merrick garland let these crazy radical leftist protesters uh, march up and down the streets of the homes of these supreme court justices just automatic which is illegal just tells you kind of what side he was taking what side the department of justice was on when it came to the abortion issue so knowing what you know about merrick garland are you going to expect anything to come from the classified documents investigation when it comes to Joe Biden? They'll put Donald Trump in Guantanamo yeah. and they'll let Joe Biden run for the president, even though it's really the same thing. In essence, it is the same thing on both sides here. It is. I have zero faith at all in the Biden Department of Justice. Uh, some more legal stuff close to home. The Beech Grove dad that had gun baby running around on on patrol live that little toddler in the diapers that had the gun that had a loaded magazine but they weren't able to be fired off they weren't completely loaded up right it wasn't chambered wasn't chambered thank you um baby pulling the trigger you know putting the gun by his head this was all captured on live tv were you watching it yes this past weekend, because the Beach Grove oh Police gosh. Department, they've got the cameras embedded with them for this reality show. They're one of a handful of departments around the country where you follow the officers in real time. And that opened up the show this past weekend. Reports of a toddler with a firearm. We're learning a little bit more now about the dad. He was in court earlier today, Shane Osborne, facing three charges, including dangerous control of a firearm and neglect of a dependent. Osborne, if you look at his rap sheet here, kind of a troubled legal history. I know, shocker. Uh, (laughs) He has a habit of failing to show up for court appearances. He was out on bond for previous offenses, including domestic battery and intimidation. And he's been arrested in 10 different Indiana counties. That's got to be some kind of record. 10 counties? 10 different counties? 10 counties he's been arrested in. Oh, man. I would like to... I want to see the record holder on that. I'd like to meet that guy. 10 counties... 
You ain't seen nothing yet. I've been arrested in 25 counties in Indiana. You know, like Mike Braun, he's going on that tour to speak <laughs> right, in all, all counties. 90, all the 90 plus Looks like Shane and, Osborne's doing yeah. the same tour, but he wants to get arrested <laughs> in all of the counties. Uh, big news from the legal world today uh, is that Alec Baldwin has been charged in the shooting death of Helena Hutchins on the movie set Rust. The New Mexico First Judicial District Attorney announced charges earlier today. Alec Baldwin charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. The armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Now, the armorer's job is to make sure that the weapons on set are safe and everything's good to go. Also charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. And this was a little eyebrow raising. The Santa Fe District Attorney... Mary Carmack Altweiss says that Baldwin is being charged as both an actor and a producer on this movie set. The documents state that the actor is being charged as being the one that pulls the trigger and the producer is the one who's supposed to make sure that there's a safe working environment. So he's being charged for both. Yeah, and it sounds like they're throwing the book at him. At, at Alec Baldwin. So involuntary manslaughter, you know, takes about like that, what, 18 months in prison if he's convicted. But they added some other option, which would increase the sentence from 18 months to a five year mandatory sentence. A lot of moving parts in here. Alec Baldwin could face up to five years in prison. Never once did I think that he seemed uh, never took responsibility and never seemed um, despondent in any way, shape, or form. Those pictures of him right after it happened, bent over and on the phone, and he was worried about himself. He was worried about the consequences of his life. He wasn't worried about the victims. Um, this is a guy that's had a long list, just homophobic slurs to the press. Uh, it hates anything to do with Donald Trump, and if you voted for Donald Trump, if you're a MAGA supporter, then then you're scum in his eyes. Oh, the lefties uh, are already uh, carrying his water. Yeah, oh, the yeah, lefties yeah, are melting yeah. down on Twitter. This guy Jeff Tiedrick, a very super liberal activist, tweeted out earlier: "What Alec Baldwin did is a tragedy." What Kyle Rittenhouse did was murder. Oh, if you, you won't recognize me. the difference, I can't that help you. That is the dumbest argument I've ever heard in my life. Kyle Rittenhouse uh, um, was a jury of his peers, not guilty. These criminals tried to attack him, and that guy, I don't know, who who, who was that guy? Jeff Tiedrick. Does he have a blue check mark by his name? Uh, he doesn't I, anymore. Uh, he used to. But this is a guy that's been to the White House and met with the Biden administration as part of their stupid group of social media influencers. And then Baldwin wouldn't shut up about it either. Right. He actually tried to convince people that he didn't pull the trigger. Remember that interview he did with George Stephanopoulos on ABC? This may come back to bite him here. Now, in this scene, I'm going to cock the gun. I said, do you want to see that? And she said, yes. So I take the gun and I start to cock the gun. I'm not going to pull the trigger. I I said, do you see that? She goes, well, just cheat it down and tilt it down a little bit like that. And I cock the gun. I go, can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? And she says, and then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. So you have this Colt 45. You just pulled the hammer as far back as I could without cocking the actual. And you're holding on to the hammer. I'm holding that. I'm just showing. I go, how about that? Does that work? Do you see that? Do you see that? Is that? She goes, yeah, that's good. I let go of the hammer. Bang. The gun goes off. Well, obviously, it's not his fault. No, no. But if it's such an unsafe environment where guns just happen to pop off, who's the producer of that movie? Oh, wait, it's you.
And again, I know I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. Alec Baldwin has killed more people than anybody that stormed into the Capitol on January 6th. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Hammer, have you heard of this this app? Or I don't know if it's an app or what it is. It's artificial intelligence. It's called ChatGPT. Chat GPT. I have not. It's it's AI and it writes essays. It writes excellent essays. Hmm. And it hasn't taken long for students to learn how to use this thing. I'll have to so ask students, my kids. Students, <laughs> students are using Chat GPT artificial intelligence to write their essays. High school and college students are singing praises. Now, Hammer and Nigel Records saw this story. We wrote a tribute here for ChatGPT, and we were sort of in a sticks, um, Mr. Roboto sort of mood. Dude, it's so easy now in school. It's Homework be. is easy. Research is easy. Uh, talking to chicks is easier. All this technology, it's so easy. And I know that makes me sound like get off my lawn guy, no, but I used right. to have to write essays. As a matter of fact, I was so good at writing essays, my friends would hire me to write theirs. Didn't you? Didn't your son go viral like across the country when he was doing his homework? When he when they were keeping him out of class at COVID, and he had to learn how to do the fire drill on the computer. Like you were doing a virtual fire drill, basically. Yes, from home. And Barstool made, picked yeah, up the Bar, story. Barstool picked it up. So that yeah, that, that to me, uh, when you can do virtual fire drills from your couch, <laughs> yeah, things have gotten a little a little easy. I'll see if I can find that link and I'll tweet that back out. But he's just sitting there, you know, like basketball shorts on. He's got a blanket. What are you doing? Homework? What is it? A virtual fire drill? <laughs> and it's like a schematic map of the school. Like he's going to study it. <laughs> Almost like he's breaking into the casinos like in Ocean's Eleven. Uh, study the map, kid. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's kind of parallels. It's just along the same lines of chat GPT here. I'm going to put all my information in and uh, it's going to write an essay for me. <laughs> kind of like uh, uh, Gary and Wyatt did with Lisa in uh, Weird Science. They just they just stuck a bunch of pictures of hot chicks <laughs> into the computer, and it spit out a hot hot woman. We should call this Chet GPT. <laughs> yeah, bring it a full circle, baby. It's what we do. Uh, Kylan is our producer today. Hit me with a little booze news. You set them up, and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We All right, Nigel, you tell me if you think this lawsuit has any validity to it. All right. A woman is suing a bar for serving her so much booze that 
she crashed into a house and caused $10 million worth of damage after the house exploded. <laughs> so wait, so who's suing the bar? The woman that got hammered. <laughs> She's suing the bar for being overserved and then wrecking into a house causing $10 million worth of damage. This woman, hey, look, Canadian woman, well, she crashed into a house and it ruptured the gas line. And it caused $10 million worth of damage. She claims she was overserved before she went to a Marilyn Manson concert. Wow. Um, this, look, I don't know. You know, the laws are kind of funny in Canada anyway, but the bartender people that we know, our friends that work behind the bar that own bars, are very, they're very conscious of that, of overserving their patrons because they can get in trouble. Right. I don't know if. I don't know if you can get arrested or not if you're a bartender and knowingly overserve somebody. Maybe you can. Maybe you can get ticketed. Maybe you could lose your liquor license. But you you would definitely you would definitely be held accountable in some way if if that happened. Now, I think it's kind of rich that the woman that was overserved is suing the bar like it's like it's their fault somehow. She um, went to a Marilyn Manson concert. Guess where the concert was at? The Budweiser Gardens in Canada, and she was so drunk leaving said Budweiser Gardens, she drove the wrong way down a one-way street, slammed into a house, severing the gas line, and boom! That's bad news. That is bad news. And I'm for for protecting the bartenders. You know, I I, I don't think they should, but if, if you knowingly see somebody like that are just slobbering all over themselves and passing out of the bar and you put another shot of tequila in front of them, yeah, you might be held liable in some shape some way shape or form 10 10 million dollar lawsuit i don't think so i don't think that flies though no way so in honor of the concert she went to marilyn manson here's a cover of marilyn manson doing elvis's hit the ghetto tell me if this does anything for you marilyn manson Yes, he does a bunch of cover wait, songs. Wait, so now. this that that was a real that wasn't like a mashup or something? No, that was real. <laughs> okay. So what do you I like don't... better? That version of the ghetto performed by Marilyn Manson or Hammer and Nigel Records version where we're singing about spaghettios? As the snow flies <laughs> on a cold and gray Chicago morning, a hungry young man has a craving for some oh, I like this much better. SpaghettiOs greater than Marilyn Manson? Yes, that's what you're telling me? It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Because if there's one thing this world don't need, it's a hungry young man denied a chance to eat some SpaghettiOs. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, 
You're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Jason Hammer's right over there. My name is Nigel. We'll go to thedrivehubler.com, a hotline, and bring on one of our favorite guests, Tommy Pickett from the RNC Rapid Response. He is the director there. Tommy, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Tommy, have you ever seen, because I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a long list, but have you ever seen a more partisan display of how the issue of classified documents has been handled here over the past couple of weeks. It's it's the end of the world in a national security emergency when President Trump has documents locked away in a secure location in Mar-a-Lago. He gets raided and excoriated by media, and Joe Biden calls him irresponsible. But yet when Joe Biden does the same thing, three different places at his house in Delaware, including a, a couple of boxes of classified documents next to the Corvette, that uh, Merrick Garland doesn't even have the FBI out to investigate. He lets Biden's lawyers do all the work. Have you ever seen a more partisan display in your life? I can't really think of one. It really is astonishing uh, how this has been handled and how Democrats are approaching this issue. I mean, multiple locations Biden had classified documents for multiple years uh, and an untold number of documents. It's clear that even Biden's staff doesn't know how many documents Biden, quote unquote, misplaced for six years throughout his office, his home and his garage. And yet, to your point, Biden's personal lawyers are the ones that are leading this search. I could only imagine the outcry if Trump's personal lawyers were the ones that were leading this search. Uh, Democrats wouldn't be having it. Uh, And I'm thankful for the House Republican majority that is already trying to get to the bottom of this and the bottom of a whole host of other issues related to the Biden Penn Center, the Biden documents. This raises so many questions. One of them is how this is handled, but also uh, the threat to national security, how the documents got there and why they started looking for these documents in the first place. Tommy, is the media coverage of this story part of the story? Because previously, like Nigel pointed out, you had people like that old bag Joy Behar on The View saying that Donald Trump was possibly selling nuclear secrets to other (laughs) countries. And now if you turn on your left-leaning media outlets, your CNNs, your MSNBCs of the world. It's a different story. The same person, let's go back to it. And I know she's not a political pundit, but you've got Joy Behar saying, ah, give Joe Biden a pass. He's a nice guy. I mean, this is what we're dealing with here. And it feels like this is a part of the story. Do you agree with that? I think it is. I think there's kind of two parts here. The first is the left and really the left-wing media is showing themselves to be partisan and bias, if they haven't already been showing that for years, they're really showing themselves to be that here with how they're approaching this issue. I've also heard some media uh, personalities saying that this, this could have been planted uh, by somebody, which to me is right. ironic, <laughs> yeah, which is ridiculous. But they're basically admitting that Biden's garage is not secure. If they honestly think someone could have planted these documents, they're admitting that's not the right place for documents to be. So they're kind of admitting here that, that Biden is at fault and Biden did something wrong. But putting that aside, I'm also noticing slightly a different trend, that Biden's lies, the administration's lack of transparency, has been so severe in this case. You actually see some journalists yes. 
calling them out, yes. which is the first time that's really happened in earnest. The only other example is maybe Afghanistan, the withdrawal I can think of where that's happened. Uh, and I hope that continues. I'm not holding my breath. I'm not, you know, I'm expecting the worst. But I've noticed that the last few days here, there have been there have been some people in the media that are saying, you know, Biden's lied to us too much on this issue. There's been such a lack of transparency that it's undeniable that they handled this inappropriately, that even some journalists are starting to speak out. So I think there's kind of two stories here. One, the left-wing media completely losing their credibility if they had any left at all. And then the other side of it is some journalists starting to say, hey, wait a minute, this this is really inappropriate. We need answers here. I'm wondering what kind of security risks were posed by Hunter Biden living at this place and having access to these documents and we don't have visitor logs of who was coming in and coming out and who is maybe possibly looking at these things and we have um you know fifty thousand dollar rental checks being cut and that exact same amount being put into a bank account overseas do you see i mean can you maybe drill down on that aspect a little bit tommy yeah, well, I think the access here is one of the most important questions because yes. ultimately, at best, Biden doesn't know where these documents are, right? So if he doesn't know where these documents are, which is the best case scenario, the, the worst case is that he's hiding them, if he doesn't know where they are, they obviously aren't secured, which means that people had access to this document and an untold amount of people had access. You mentioned Hunter Biden, who was quarantining at the Delaware House. You also have a picture of Hunter Biden that was reported by the Free Beacon, I believe, yesterday of Hunter Biden in the Corvette that Biden liked to cite as the secure location or the secure location near these classified documents. Hunter Biden clearly had access. And there are so many questions regarding Hunter Biden and regarding Joe Biden's business involvement. I mean, talk about lack of transparency. Joe Biden insisted he wasn't involved in Hunter Biden's business dealings. And we literally have voicemails of Joe Biden discussing Hunter Biden's business meetings. Uh, So there's so many questions here. And then another connection here in terms of access is the Biden Penn Center, where the first batch of classified documents was found. You have a lot of questions of a ton of anonymously earmarked money from China funneling towards the University of Pennsylvania shortly after the Biden Center was founded. So a lot of questions of, was that money going to the Biden Center? Did China have any interaction with the Biden Center? A lot of serious questions that are made even more concerning because of the classified documents that were inappropriately at that office at the Biden Center. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director, joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, Let's go back to uh, last week. Late last week, Joe Biden has a little trip down to the border. It's a glorified photo op. He walks through a parking lot. He stands by the wall, takes a picture, and hops on a plane and goes back. But you've had New York City's mayor. (laughs) He also went down, and his message is, hey, we're a sanctuary city, but we don't have room for these migrants coming across the border. What's your thoughts on that? Because I think that's fascinating when you say you're a sanctuary city, (laughs) but at the same time, please don't come to New York. Well, it shows the hypocrisy of liberal policies, for one. Uh, They're fine with crises happening elsewhere, just not in their own backyards. And as soon as it happens in their own backyards, they all of a sudden do a whole complete flip and try to say that this is a crisis. So part of me is glad that he's actually Mayor Adams is is bringing attention to this issue. I mean, part of me is glad that he's actually going down there and actually taking this seriously. Too little, too late, though. And what he needs to do is he needs to actually change the policies in New York that are encouraging so many people to cross the border illegally. I think when it comes to to Biden's trip, uh, they, they literally cleared the streets of El Paso of a massive amount of homeless encampments before Biden got there to create a fake scene. 
to create a photo op, to create a false sense of what was happening at the border. And Americans deserve better than a president that spe- that takes years to go to the border and only spends a couple hours there after his team has completely cleared the area. It's amazing to me that he goes down there. He doesn't speak to a single illegal immigrant because they say they are, there aren't any. I mean, that's how big <laughs> this was. Right? That's how fake of a scene this was. It was not even close to reality. Uh, and that just shows how unseriously Biden takes this issue and how unwilling he is to actually do the work it takes to secure the border. Yeah, and the messaging is awful, too, because, uh, you know, I, I, I've had heard Kamala Harris say at one point last year, uh, don't come, don't come. But if you, but basically the policies say something different. The policies are we're a sanctuary city. So it's the same thing with Mayor Adams. Don't, you know, we don't, don't come illegally cross the border, but we are a sanctuary city. Um, don't come across the border, but if you do make it, we'll give you free health care, we'll give you free education, we'll give you someplace free to stay. The messaging is horrible, the policies are horrible, and the reason why you have all the human trafficking we do, all the uh, fentanyl coming through the border, is a direct result of uh, the uh, policies of the Biden administration. I think you hit the nail on the head there. The, the two parts of that is that they're saying don't come. Well, actually, Joe Biden just said the other day that their policy is to make it easier for people to come. Yeah, with so the app, right? That, right? With the app. Right. All yeah, these people coming from app. third world countries that want to cross, I'm sure they're going to get their iPhone out and download the app immediately. Yeah, I mean, it's just astonishing. And if they don't have a cell phone, if they cross the border, Joe Biden's going to give them a cell phone. I mean, that's the other part of their policy. So I mean, it's just it's, it, there's so many incentives for people to come, not to mention yes. the fact that Joe Biden has completely destroyed immigration law enforcement in terms of deportations. He has brought deportations to historic lows. So if there's no consequences for breaking the law, people are going to break the law. That's just how that works. So Joe Biden is really encouraging this. And I think the second part of what you mentioned uh, about the consequences of this shows that you know Biden goes out there and says he has a humane immigration policy. It's actually cruel because it's putting people in danger. It's putting migrants in danger. It's putting communities in, in danger. It's putting communities across the country in danger with fent- the fentanyl crisis. The only people that it's benefiting are these evil cartels that, that will stop at nothing to make a buck, stop at nothing to make a profit. And Joe Biden is actively empowering them through the worst border policies maybe in history that have created the worst border crisis in history. Tommy Pickett, RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, we always appreciate your time here in Indianapolis. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Sometimes I wish I could rewind. I, I Wow, is this the new one from Brett Michaels? Yeah. Is this what he was talking about in our interview last night? Yeah, yesterday? was the one that came out yesterday. He joined us a couple days ago. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just kind of a throwback song, a party song, basically. Turn it up just a little bit. Yeah, digging it. Yeah, I like it. it. I like it. Brett Michaels there, a solo, not with Poison. Right. That was the new release on his own uh, that he was talking about the other day on our show. And and obviously, he's bringing a bunch of uh, artists to uh, Noblesville in the middle of the summer. Sunday, July 30th, the Party Gras Tour. And Party it's Gras, Brett name. Michaels, and it's, oh man, just a great lineup of folks. It's hit after hit. And uh, we asked him when he joined us a couple days ago what this song, Back in the Day, was all about. Back in the day, it just has this incredible, it's a 
road trip feel good anthem and uh, it's just this raw energetic lick straight music it just is a good it, it's just a feel good it'll beat the winter blues song how's that sound? <laughs> it's a it's a song that when you hear it you go it, it relates to music it relates to us having if you remember you your friends everybody going somewhere for me growing up in the northeast um, when that springtime or summer hit, getting with all my friends, driving down to Wildwood, New Jersey, along the turnpike, uh, you know, windows down, cranking the music and singing. And that's that's what this song is. And it's about when you see the video, it's about then and to now. The coolest I've ever felt in my life is in my 20s when I worked at X. And then right down the hall was Q95, right? And so um, so they, they they played Poison and stuff back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, and Poison was in town. And Ace Cosby took me backstage to meet Brett Michaels. And... Uh, it was the coolest, chillest. It was just a giant room that could, back there at Deer Creek. Sat there, drank a Heineken with him. <laughs> and he was just chatting us up. Like, I mean, he was so down to earth and so nice. And then later that night, we um, we were sitting watching the show from the side of the stage, and he brought us out to sing along with, I think they, I think they did a cover of I Want to Rock and Roll. Uh, rock and roll all night party every day. I the think Kiss cover. maybe maybe oh man I can't or maybe it was a poison song that they had us kind of sing along. It was just a, there was a microphone in the background, you know. He didn't right. But it was the cool, especially because I was a kid that grew up listening to Poison, having to hide the first two uh, Poison cassettes under my bed because <laughs> one of them they were all dressed like chicks with spray paint and lipstick. And the next album opened up and say, "Ah, oh, it was just a, a giant was a woman with a giant thing sticking out of her mouth <laughs> like a tongue." And just to be in that situation with, with with a guy with the lead singer, one of the biggest rock bands at the time, was such a cool moment and he's such a down-to-earth yes. guy i've met him a yeah. bunch of times like raising money for veterans oh, yeah. isn't something he does because he wants attention he's a military brat right his family all serves in the armed forces so that's something that's a big part of who he is and uh i'm with you man like those poison songs back in the day poison motley crew like the hair band kind of Def era leopard, yeah. Def leopard love them all a lot of fun coming up next on the hammer and nigel show whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. This thing about the CDC working with Facebook during the pandemic has my blood boiling. So let's do it. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about America's battle against COVID-19. COVID-19. Here we go. COVID-19. Oh, I swear. And I mean at this moment. There are three vaccines. Kind of. China piss off, now you've made the world cough, we're all nervous. 
because of COVID-19. So we've heard all about Twitter. We've heard all about the upper echelons of the executive uh, executives that work there, the ultra-progressive liberal executives working in concert, in hand-in-hand with the federal government to suppress and censor on that platform, which in my mind is illegal, violation of the First Amendment. The fact we know who Yoel Roth is tells you all you need to know. But what about Facebook? All right? haven't heard much about Facebook. Elon buys... Elon buys Twitter for $44 billion, uh, lets people get into the internal documents. I, really unprecedented, in, in, in my opinion. But this article from Reason.com is revealed that throughout the pandemic, the CDC was in constant contact with Facebook, and they were the ones vetting users who were allowed to say uh, and what they were allowed to say and not say on on Facebook, on the social media website. It's unbelievable. The emails were obtained by reason because there's a lawsuit. Missouri's lawsuit against the Biden administration revealed that the CDC had substantial influence over what users were allowed to discuss on Meta's platforms. Now, Meta, again, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, The messages reveal that the CDC kept tabs on Meta's moderation practices and regularly told the company what the agency wanted to do. I mean, you you dive deep into some of these emails and things. The CDC uh, deliberately squashed discussions about whether or not um, COVID was engineered in a lab, was a biologically like engineered. They pressed Facebook to shut down any discussion or dissent uh, of the lab leak theory. Regardless, I mean, there was no evidence against it, arguing against it. They shut it all down. And the CDC was working hand in hand with top executives at Facebook. Again, a violation of the First Amendment, the federal government uh, where is the First Amendment? I had it pulled up here. Prevents the government from making laws that regulate and establish a religion or prohibit the free exercise of religion, abridge the freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, right to petition, blah, 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 blah. You have the federal government doing exactly that here. Now, one would argue that the First Amendment was designed to keep you from being imprisoned for your thoughts against the government and your thoughts against the president and things like that. Matter. Nobody was going to prison here, but you were also having government officials get with a company to censor your views. So if you thought that, wait a minute, maybe this was engineered in a lab or hold your breath If you had thoughts that the vaccines might not be the end-all to be-all, Meta, Facebook and Instagram, they were either suspending you or they were taking away your reach and you didn't know about it. Now, if you were suspended, they sent you a notification. But if you were, quote, shadow banned, as it's been dubbed, you didn't get any sort of confirmation. You didn't get any information. I want a committee hearing on this. I want With this new Republican House, I want these guys hauled uh, via subpoena in front of committees and 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 forced to answer you know executive branch level people working with the government and facebook and meta to censor free speech and to completely disseminate and and squash debate 
It's it's infuriating. Oh, wait a minute. I can't post my thoughts. I can't post an article I found talking about myocarditis and how it's prevalent in, in young, healthy men after they have received the jab. You nope. can't you can't you can't talk about it. You, you will say, shut your mouth if you know what's best for you, son. I'm not even saying <laughs> posting an article like that. You're not even necessarily saying, wow, what is up with this? I'm going to have to do more research on this. Can, some, can anybody enlighten me on this? There were people who had loved ones pass away after they've gotten the vaccine. Now, whether that's a coincidence, whether it was connected, don't know. But I know personally one person whose loved one passed away shortly after they got the vaccine. Wow. They posted about it on social media and boom, kicked off, suspended from social media. Oh, man, this story, Nige. Are you sitting down? I want to make sure you're sitting down because this what? is a bombshell. What? Brace yourselves. The Fed chair, Jerome Powell, yeah. has tested positive for COVID. Oh, my God, no. Was this a headline? <laughs> Don't tell me this is a headline somewhere. Oh, this was a headline somewhere. <laughs> Let me guess. Let me guess. Jerome Powell testing positive for COVID, and he's, quote, thankful to be vaxxed and boosted. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it would have been worse had he not been vaxxed and boosted. Uh, sure. What do we have for him, Johnny? That's the line now. That's the corporate line. Like, I mean, what's, what's the percentage of Americans that even know who the Fed chair is? And, and honestly, what are the percentage of Americans that look at that headline and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. COVID. They're still making headlines when uh, government officials... <laughs> if it officials could happen to Jerome Powell, it could happen to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, who's clicking on that headline? I would say uh, like maybe one to two percent of people in this country know who Jerome Powell even is. And I would say less than that, give a damn if he's tested positive or not. Listen, I think all of us, for the most part, at some point in our lives have had COVID now, whether you had it and didn't really make it official by getting tested for it, but you had all the oh, symptoms. I did, yeah. We've all had this thing before. It's not shocking when somebody gets COVID. It shouldn't be an eyebrow razor. You shouldn't gasp. Oh, my God, he's got COVID. <laughs> it's, it happens, right? You're going to be okay unless you are, one, super-duper old. Number two, have underlying not health conditions. That. Not even that. I know super-duper old people that have got it. And we're fine. I'm not saying that happens in every in every case i'm not saying there's a risk to covid if you are uh you know have multiple comorbidities and are, are obese and old of course not but yeah you're right you're so it's so true nobody knows who jerome powell is nobody knows basic you think i wonder what percentage of americans know what the fed is <laughs> right Right. Like nobody would look at nobody. You know, the average person out on the street would say, hey, do you know what the Fed is? And look right back at you and go, oh, yeah, it's the central banking system of the United States of America. Kylan, I want you to run out to the streets <laughs> at the end of our show yeah. and just run around with like a megaphone. Oh. Citizens of Indianapolis, Jerome Powell is positive. <laughs> remain calm. Repeat, remain uh, calm. I think I'm going to be taken away for that. I'd rather not. <laughs> Again, oh, before man. anybody sends us messages, yes, COVID was serious. 
but so is the flu. So is pneumonia. So are a lot of things. You shouldn't freak Dude. out and panic and, you know, lock yourself in a corner of the room in a straitjacket because someone tests positive. Dude, I'm going to tell you, a year ago around this time, do you remember I've, it was a stomach bug. My whole family came down with it at the same time. And I, I would, I would, I would wish, I would pray for COVID ten times over than what the stomach flu did to me and my family. Just, I mean, decimated us for a week. Ooh. I would much rather. And we tested. We had to test. Uh, I was negative for COVID, but we had to test for the kids to go back to school after that. You know, I'd wish for COVID every day of the week before what I had um, about a year ago last year. Stanley Steamer came in and looked at our carpets and almost vomited. <laughs> You're like, ooh, God. Again, repeating our top story this hour Jerome Powell, <laughs> sick. He's got COVID. He's still able to tweet. He's able to put a press release out. Thank God he's had the shot. He's been vaxxed and boosted. He put out a press release. It was a headline at CNN. But everyone remained calm. Jerome Powell, COVID positive. I don't know how I'm going to get through the rest of this show. Is this anything next? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hammer and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this... Anything on 93 Yes, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run some stories by you. You are going to weigh out the pros and the cons and give us a verdict on whether or not the story is anything or not. We start with this. A man was accidentally handed a bag full of thousands of dollars when he ordered at a McDonald's drive-thru. What? Now, this was not former Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt because that's why he got fired. This was someone totally different. Uh, he did the right thing <laughs> and returned the cash, not before making a quick TikTok video. Again, going through the drive-thru, gets his bag of McDonald's, thousands of dollars in cash in it. I just went to McDonald's, handed me my sausage McMuffin and this bag. Well, what's in this bag? Their deposit. Just a couple thousand dollars here. Why would you guys do this to me? You know how bad I want this money? Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> you are a blessing from God. Oh, my God. You, oh, my God. I really want to give you a hug. When I was driving away, they called me back in to give me $200 and free McDonald's for a month. Hey, cool. Okay. A month. Okay. $200. Uh, yeah, this is something. I mean, that guy's super honest. I, I, I don't know what the percentage of Americans would be. Like, what's the percentage of people here in this country that would give back a bag full of cash? What, what, what did he say? Was it like a bank deposit that McDonald's had? Right. And they accidentally handed it to him with his sausage McMuffin? I get a is bag that, of cash. I think it's drug money. Normally, you don't have yeah. bank deposits in like that bag, would you? 
Like it's I have weird no idea. Me. I have no idea. But uh, but yeah, I think it's awesome. The guy gave it back, and there's probably a lot of people that would look at that and say, you know, I legitimately need this money. I'm driving off. And there's part of me that if it was somebody that was desolate, that was poor, that was had just scraped enough uh, enough money to get their kids a meal for the night, and they ended up taking it, so be it. I, I guess it depends on the circumstance. I'd give it back. You'd give it back. I have a feeling you'd give it back, so, right? You'd give it back. In but your I, mind, Nige, the guy that drives through the drive-thru that gets the bag of cash that can't afford to uh, feed his family clearly has enough money to go through the drive-thru in the first place. Well, I, I mean, you know, how much money does it cost to go to McDonald's? The prices actually have increased, I've noticed. Yeah, you're I'm right. Just saying, I'm just saying like the dollar, you order off the dollar menu, that's all you could afford. You could barely pay the bills to keep the lights on. Do you keep the cash? And people are in that situation, and I'm 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 saying that I wouldn't be mad at them if they ex- if they kept the cash, even though the honest thing to do would be to give it back, no matter what situation you're in. If I'd I saw receipts in there for a deposit, I would absolutely bring it back, and then I would challenge myself to eat that much McDonald's in the month to yeah. see if I can get my money's worth. Does he have to? <laughs> he said two hundred dollars. Yeah, he said two hundred dollars for the next month. I get free. You have to use that up. Two hundred dollars in cash and free <laughs> McDonald's for a month. So I'm going to do my damnedest to get my money's worth. Now, if there's no deposits in there, if there's no slips, if this looks like there was going to be a drug deal out the window. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a chance your boy here might drive off. You could probably, yeah, and they might be able to trace it back to you, too, if there were the slips. Hey, what what are we talking about with the Tennessee guy? What? So, Tennessee's uh, football coach before they've got now. The guy they got right now, Josh Heupel, is great. Love that guy. Uh, he's got the program turned around. But he's there because the previous coach, Jeremy Pruitt, got busted on the recruiting trail before the NIL money was around, handing a recruit a bag of cash, a fast food bag with cash in it, and he got busted with it. (laughs) That doesn't get any more blatant than that. Right. I mean, how bad do you have to be to get busted cheating in the SEC? (laughs) They're willing to let a lot go, but if you're going to be that much of a moron, you deserve to be fired. And it was the best thing that happened to the program, bringing in the new coach. Is this anything? A couple was kicked off of a Spirit Airlines flight that was still on the ground in Vegas. While leaving, the woman says... (laughs) Take care of the people on board. A passenger booed as the couple was being escorted down the aisle. And then the woman who's getting kicked off the plane yells, I hope y'all crash and die. Take care. Boo! Oh, hope you crash and die, she said. Oh, the pilots. Oh, the pilots Pilot did not like that one. Get her on the list. No fly list. Right up there with, uh, you know, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah, get them all on that list. Get, I don't care. <laughs> you you cause a disturbance on an airplane and you get kicked off. I, I don't know what the – and that's the thing. I don't have any contacts with these stupid TikTok videos. They never show any contacts of what happened. But uh, you causing a disturbance, and then the last words you say before you get off the plane is, I hope you all crash and die. I'm with you. Have fun on a Greyhound bus for the rest of your life, sweetie.
You and I disagree on quite a bit, but the one thing I will support you on and I will <laughs> I will die on the mountain for is that if you act like a clown on a plane, no fly list. You have lost the privilege of flying Forever. with everybody else. Last one, is this anything? A woman says that Chipotle sent her an email stating that she had won free food for an entire year. Cool. But then later sent her another email taking the offer back. Oh, here, here boo. she is. Chipotle, why did I get this email saying that I won free Chipotle for a year? And then all of a sudden I get another email saying, oh, no, that's okay. Never mind. We sent that in error. Oh, I'd be pissed. They do, companies do this all the time, and they think they can just get away. Like, there's no recourse. Like, you have to compensate them with something, right? It's just, hey, look, this is a mistake. You're not getting it for a year, but here's a free burrito from Chipotle. Yeah, that's something. That would that would that would frustrate me, dude. I, I want somebody to offer us free food for a year, but understand this. We will make you pay. <laughs> we will make you pay. We will take advantage of it. When I was in my 20s, I was given a free concessions card by a buddy of mine that worked at Victory Field. And oh, I was boy. working at ZPL at that oh, point. Oh, boy. Bad and we'd news. go out and do things. And I was like, hey, you know, this is all the hot dogs, pretzels, popcorn, burgers that I want, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for talking about us on the radio. We love you guys. Okay. <laughs> they yeah. never offered it again. <laughs> Ever. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here with a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Lisa Rawlings is the executive director for the Central Indiana Police Foundation. Lisa, I believe we spoke with you when Nigel and I were part of the big breakfast that you guys had a couple of months ago. How are things going? What a great event, by the way, that was. Breakfast with a Cop. Amazing event, Lisa. Good. Thank you so much. I think this is your second year, right? You yes. guys, you came the year before. Yes. Okay. Yeah, honored to be there. 100% honored to be there. And uh, you are part of a fundraiser going on right now. It's called Sponsor an Officer. Now, before we get into what this is, tell us why sponsorship is important and where the money goes. Okay. So we started this campaign in an effort to help think long-term about where the foundation was going. We knew we needed um, an endowment. We need long-term long-term sustainability. And so we created the sponsor and officer. And so it's a double good thing because we will raise money that will go into the endowment, but a portion of those funds will also be able to give a note of gratitude and a gift to every officer in our territory. Now, what is the Central Indiana Police Foundation? For somebody that's listening right now that might not be familiar, they've heard of the IMPD or their local police department's sheriff's office. What is the Central Indiana Police Foundation? Yeah, so we began initially as the Indianapolis Police Foundation focusing in on supporting IMPD. Um, We've grown, and now we're the Central Indiana Police Foundation, and we are supporting law enforcement officers, um, all sworn officers in uh, Marion County and the surrounding counties. So we have over 70 departments um, within our territory that we try to help 
um, the departments and the individual officers um, if they have some um, individual needs as well. What kind of needs would those be? Well, right now, one of the things I'm working on is funding for a vehicle that can transport one of our officers who was injured and paralyzed um, in the line of duty. And mm. so he that was um, Officer Moody in Trafalgar, um, and he was paralyzed. This is around June and does not have a vehicle that his electronic wheelchair can go into. And so with two young boys wow. and his wife trying to transport him in a uh, plain foldable wheelchair and then the the one-year-old and four-year-old it just is really challenging and so we're trying to pull together some donors and work on um, getting him a a vehicle that can you know his family can get out and he's not captive in his house (laughs) right is the central indiana police foundation lisa the group that puts together those trauma kits that some of the officers have in their car which we just talked about the other day came into uh, play when an officer was wounded in a shootout in Lawrence. Yeah, so the trauma kits is is really the foundation of how we became um, the um, and Rick Snyder, as I know you know Rick um, really well. One of his officers were shot in the line of duty, and thank God an officer had already his own medical kit and treated that officer, and that officer still alive. Um, and so the discussion started from there. Like, our officers are the first ones on scene. And if the scene hasn't been cleared and it's safe, they can't bring an ambulance or an EMT on scene to treat an officer or a civilian. And so these kits provide the, the, the minimal tools that they need to stop the bleeding until they can get that person um, to the hospital or get an ambulance in there to get them to the hospital. Because as you heard with the Lawrence police yeah. situation, that officer was put in the back of an IMPD vehicle and transported to the emergency room. So, Lisa Rollins, Central Indiana Police Foundation, uh, we are uh, helping to say thank you and uh, sponsor and officer. What does it mean to the police officers that are involved in this? Like if somebody donates even $15 to $25 to, to $100. I mean, talk about the morale of our boys in blue and, and our men and women in blue and, and just talk about what this means to yeah. them. Well, I will tell you, I mean, IMPD is dealing with a, a much more intensity yes. um, day on day and day out than our, our officers in the surrounding counties. And so in um, 50% of what Central Indiana Police Foundation does is for IMPD. They're our largest department um, of officers. Um, they usually have around 1,500 officers. But um, And so morale is down there, you know, and the officers are very challenged. They're facing things that every day that we can't even imagine um, what they're seeing. They may may be at a run where there was a child shot. Then the next run they see yeah. the man or woman shot, killed, you know, laying there and bleeding out. And so um, they just need encouraged. They need to know they're appreciated. They don't – they probably wouldn't tell you that. Um, they do what they do um, out of – the passion in their heart. Um, it's a calling, but they, when we can tell them, thank you, when we can tell them, we appreciate them that, you know, you hear all this noise over here of people who don't appreciate you. Well, let me tell you, there's the silent majority over here. We do appreciate you. And so that's why the sponsor and officer is important too, is that each one of our officers will get a gift and the, the donor can actually say, thank you. They can give us a script if they want of what they want in that note card, or we can do our standard. And then they'll get a challenge coin, which is a big 
they deal with officers, and they'll have a, a prayer, an officer's prayer, um, written on that, and that's something they can keep in their car. And many of our officers collect those coins, and um, and they they mean a lot to them. It's just kind of a special thing. So um, yeah, so we need to encourage them. We need to tell them thank you. And we have officers at my church on Sunday, and every time I go into the worship center, I lean over and look at the officer that's standing there. And I say thank you for being here, and mm. I always get the biggest smile from them. And so I wish more people would let our officers know we appreciate them. We're speaking with Lisa Rawlings. She's the executive director for the Central Indiana Police Foundation. Lisa, one of the amazing things that I think your organization does is take care of the officers and the officers' families after a traumatic event. Nigel and I, again, we were really lucky to be able to sit at the table at that breakfast a couple of months ago with Officer Tommy Mangan, who was shot in the throat, nearly lost his life, uh, making great strides in his recovery as well as the family of fallen officer Noah Shanavaz. Uh, His amazing parents being able to sit there at the table and talk a little bit about the help that they're getting from the Central Indiana Police Foundation was very humbling. It's very powerful. Talk a little bit about what you guys do in regards to officers who have been wounded or those who have paid the ultimate price. Yeah, um... When shortly after I started in this role, um, we had Officer Brianne Lee, who was shot in the line of duty. And so um, Officer Brianne had um, a young son and she wasn't she wasn't married at the time. And so we stepped in and managed or helped work with the father and work with her parents and uh, their family. And um, we were the ones who collected all the funds that were donated, because, as you all know, when officers are killed on duty, people want to help, people want to give. So we um, maintained all of those funds, and then we actually set up a trust fund for her son, Zane. And so we still, to this day, I mean, every month I have more donations that come in, and so we just move those funds over. So we, you know, work from the legal side with that. We found folks to manage those funds, to work with Zane's father. Um, And then there's so a lot of other things we do. So we received a donation of baby wipes. So um, out of so we act as a conduit, and we worked with the prison, the women's prison, which is now named after Bree, um, and we donated those wipes in her memory for all those women um, and their new babies. So we do a lot of things, um, and it's never it's never the same. <laughs> it's just what needs come come about and what opportunities. Um, come our way. So those are just some of the things that we've done for Officer Brian Lee and her family. And, and, and we, we love supporting them and connecting them to resources and helping them financially in any way we can. And right now, uh, you guys, uh, the Central Indiana Police Foundation, multifaceted foundation, helping several different aspects of law enforcement and supporting police officers and their families. One more time, what is sponsor and officer and how can, can we get involved? So um, as if you have a specific officer that you want to say thank you to or you want to support, maybe it's even a son or a daughter or um, family member, you can go on our website and you can choose to sponsor them. The cost is $100. 
Um, 50% of that $100 is going to go into an investment fund for long-term sustainability. And 25% is going to go towards a gift for the officer. And then 25% is going to go directly supporting officers in our Code 1 program, where if they're injured um, or need assistance in some way, those funds will be available. And so um, whenever you sponsor an officer, you can sponsor a department if you choose to, um, or you can sponsor one or two officers. It's just $100 per person. You can even put your note in the comments section. You can be anonymous if you choose. You can say, I don't have a particular officer, but you choose one for me. So all those directions are on our website um, so that folks can go in and see. And so they would just go to donate, um, and then the drop-down is sponsor an officer, and they can read all the details. And, of course, if they have questions, they can reach out to our office, and we'll answer those questions for them. And we'll get this posted up on our social media on Facebook and Twitter. Lisa, thank you so much for your time. And, again, make sure you tell all of the folks involved, uh, Hammer and Nigel Show, and our listeners, we support what you're doing. Absolutely. We'll put some things out about you guys, too. And thank you so much for all your support. You guys are amazing. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Wait a minute. Were you, were you being serious what you just said to me? 100%. Uh, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, my name is Nigel. Hammer's right over there. So, you... <laughs> This, the NFL Films theme song here. Monday Night Football, Monday Night Football. classic. Okay, uh, you this you walked out to this in your wedding is what I understand, right? Correct. At the reception, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hammer and boom, it was the Monday Night Football <laughs> theme song. Then did you, was there any cajoling, you know, talk, trying to talk Mrs. Hammer into this? Was she a little hesitant about it or was she? Why would she know? be hesitant? We love football. She okay. loves it too. Well, like we rocked out the journey, you know. Um, you know what's the what's don't the stop believing. Don't, we, don't stop believing. Um, I'm just not sure. And my wife doesn't like football as much as, as Crystal does, I guess. But uh, I that it's an interesting choice to walk out to the reception, uh, the Monday Night Football theme song. Loved it. Things have been going great. Uh, oh, seemed yeah. like it's been good luck. So, absolutely. We both love what football are, and uh, got a big weekend ahead of us. What are some of the marquee matchups? What, what are the games you're looking forward to? This, do you have your betting show this weekend? Yes, yeah, Sunday at 11 a.m. on Wish TV. Uh, the big one is Buffalo and Cincinnati. Buffalo and so, Cincinnati. this is the rematch of the game that got canceled, but this time it's in Buffalo. So, I'm thinking Buffalo in some way is probably going to have Damar Hamlin there on the sideline, some capacity uh, to kind of get the fans fired Man. up and get them ready to roll. That's we, the big game. We always talk, we've been talking about this. Does that guy ever play football again? I don't know if he does, but uh, he's been at the facility every day this week, they said. You, you know, as a football player, you know he wants to. Right, you know that he wants to get back out there, but what will the doctors let him? Will they? Will you know his family and the doctors probably would play a big part in his decision getting back out there? And what, what screwed happened. up is that in the NFL, I believe this is still the case. You don't get a pension unless you've played three years in the league or more. He's only been in the league two years, so unless the Buffalo Bills want to give him something out of the kindness yeah. of their heart, he's not qualified for the pension program of the NFL. So four great uh, lineups for the divisional playoffs. My wife just doesn't know. Like I was talking to her, talk, you know, I mentioned her about football 
she's not the biggest fan. She literally asked me what time do the Colts play this weekend? <laughs> was she <laughs> trolling you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she's been known to do that. So uh, some wives are caught off guard sometimes with these playoff games because they're like, wait a minute, football on a Saturday? What's going on? And um, WTF really has taken on sort of a new meaning. Just when you thought the football season was over, it's still going. Four playoff games this weekend? (laughs) And millions of women have been afflicted with a devastating condition known as WTF, (laughs) Widows to Football. Are you going to sit there on the couch all day and watch game after game? WTF! Symptoms include loneliness, Frustration and anger. Not another football game. WTF. Currently, there are only a few treatment options shopping, cleaning, or extramarital affairs. Honey, gotta go. Hey, WTF. Wheels to football. WTF. Now through Super Bowl Sunday on February 12th. Don't check your text messages for affair times. The widows to football. It's a thing. A lot of wives still are like, wait a minute, what? You're watching football again this weekend? All day? All night? I've got news for them. They're not going to like what happens in March. (laughs) March madness, you bet. All right. More of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 5 o'clock. It's 93 WIBC. We'll be right back. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here with a very special in-studio guest. Kurt Darling from the WIBC Newsroom joins us. Hey, Kurt. What's going on, guys? You've been uh, covering the Indiana Supreme Court today. The Indiana Supreme Court hearing arguments on both sides for the near- total abortion ban. This was a big day at the Indiana Supreme Court. The court heard both sides. Take me through what we know. So basically, guys, this was kind of the um, end-all, be-all as far as arguments for when it comes to the ACLU of Indiana and Planned Parenthood going up against the state in regards to whether or not the 15-week abortion ban should still be law or if it should be ruled unconstitutional. Now, just kind of rehashing what some of the what some of the arguments were here so in the pro the pro-life stance went first with tom fisher he is the solicitor general of indiana arguing for the state basically the state argues that you know there's no standing because there is no explicit right to an abortion within the state constitution and of course when it comes to the certain subjects of within certain portions of the constitution they said that there's like no judicially enforceable rights when it comes to the term liberty so obviously you know when you think of liberty you have the right to do whatever you want but at the same time they said based off of how it has been previously interpreted ever since 1851 when the current form of the state constitution was adopted back then adoption or rather abortion was deemed illegal so therefore by previous interpretation it should still be illegal based off of what the definition of quote unquote liberty 
has been. You know, it's crazy that when you're talking well, about yeah. life and death here, ultimately it's just coming down to semantics, really. You got to love the law, right? Well, because, the, <laughs> because okay, because the ACLU is interpreting this law as a, as a privacy issue. Well, yeah, and when it comes to privacy, they say that live the word liberty does have meaning in these in the sense that you have the right to make your own private decisions for yourself. Therefore, abortion is within that realm, according to the um, according to the pro-choice argument. What was the atmosphere like today uh, before these uh, arguments? Well, as far as we could tell, you know, there wasn't any uh, major protests or anything like that. There were obviously a lot of people, both pro-life and pro-choice, that had gathered at the state house, you know, to obviously make their presence felt, to make sure that they understood that their message got heard. And so, but there wasn't any any violence. There wasn't anything out of control, as far as I could tell. But there were a lot of people there awaiting what. Was going to be said in this in this hearing yeah i thought it was interesting that all five state supreme court justices who are hearing this case were appointed by republican governors it's actually a republican owen county judge who approved the temporary hold on this law last fall any indication of how this is going to turn out well as far as i can tell it's really anybody's guess how yeah. this is going to go um both sides make very compelling arguments but again it all comes back to whether or not what the opinion's going to be but at the same you can't you can you could hardly tell because the justices when they were going through their line of questioning, you know, they are going through a whole bunch of different hypotheticals trying to understand how this would be interpreted or not be interpreted based off if it goes to a trial court. And they actually went through some of those as well. It all comes down to whether or not it's procedure versus substantive law. And that's, of course, I got that nugget from Abdul Hakim Shabazz, who's our own uh our, our own lawyer on staff right here, of course, as well, doing shows. But also, but bottom line is this, it it is really going to be tough to, to predict what which way that they're going to go. So what's next here? Are there any more arguments? Are these done? Is there a timeline on a decision or anything like that? Well, on this particular case, there is nothing else that can be done. Right now, it is all in the hands of the, of the, of the justices. So no timeline on when they could make a decision. It could be tomorrow. It could be two months from now. We don't know. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Where can we get more coverage? We can get all the coverage at WIBC.com. We'll also have it top and bottom of the hour going 24 hours a day. Kurt Darling, WIBC Newsroom. Kurt. Kurt, thank you. No problem, guys. So, Hammer, charges being handed down uh, with the uh, with the shooting on the movie set of the film Rust with Alec Baldwin, uh, one person critically injured, another person died on set. Uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, I believe, being charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. This is according to the district attorney earlier today. Also, the armorer on that set. The armorer, armorer is the person that handles the weapon and supposedly making sure that it's safe. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed was also charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Now, what's interesting is if you pay attention to what's being done here, Baldwin is being charged as both an actor and a producer for this movie. Uh, so basically, as an actor... He's in charge of the weapon that's in his hand, but as a producer, you're in charge of the safety of the entire set. So Alec Baldwin getting charged for both because he was a producer of this movie. Wasn't there some really strange things going on the set of this movie? Beforehand, they were using some of those same guns that were using in the film as target practice out back. 
Yeah. And there were some problems and complaints with the way the cast and crew were being treated by some of the producers. Right. It, it was a mess. Really, It was a yeah. low-budget kind of movie. Like, all of the budget was clearly spent on Alec Baldwin, and he probably signed on to get the producer credit for it. Uh, but it's a shame because... Everybody that I have heard from said that the cinematographer here, Helena Hutchins, was just an upcoming star in this industry. We've talked to our pal Brian Baker, who works on movies. He's a stunt guy. And everybody tells him the same thing. This woman, Helena Hutchins, was a rising star in the cinematography world. So, so how long could he go to jail for? And, and the second question, the follow-up there is, will he go to jail? Do you think he'll spend a, a, a second behind bars? No, I don't think he's going to spend a second behind bars. Now, that's different from should he be behind yeah, bars. Yeah, so, I mean, what is it, like 18 months if right. he's convicted? Now. Somebody that has a legal background is Dan Abrams. Uh, he's an attorney at law. He's the one that hosts the On Patrol uh, live program, formerly Live PD. He's the founder of Mediaite, but he is a attorney at law. And he put out an interesting tweet that there could be an additional sentence to go along with this 18 months. 18 months is the max that Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed could face for involuntary manslaughter. Right. But Abrams points out that they've added another option, which could increase the sentence up to a five-year mandatory sentence. Now, will that happen? No Do way. I think that's likely to happen? Probably not. But there are some things that could, in theory, make this a five-year sentence. It's worth noting that Baldwin already settled with Hutchins' family monetarily. They got a big chunk of change from that wrongful death lawsuit. Now the terms were undisclosed. We don't know how much the family received, but I'm sure it was in the seven-figure range. You have to think. Right. But this wasn't some sort of settlement with the family. This was the state of New Mexico against uh, the producers of this movie. And Alec Baldwin has a producer title. So Alec Baldwin and the armorer both charged with involuntary manslaughter, which could give them 18 months in jail. There's an additional clause that could make it five years. I'd be shocked if he spent one second behind bars. Have you heard this thing about Naomi Judd's suicide note? Did you see this? It's a Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer's right over there. Naomi Judd, she killed herself. She put a bullet in her brain. Shot herself in the head in bed at home. Really ugly, ugly scene. And there was actually some photos released recently uh, that kind of showed the aftermath of blood on the mattress and, and things like that. But tell me about the... This this bizarre suicide note that she left uh, involving her daughter Winona. So the note was among some documents that was released by the Williamson County Police Department this week. And again, you referenced it. It was a note. There were some pretty graphic photos that showed blood in the bed where yeah. she was. 
the note was really just like a post-it note, a very small yellow, small post-it yeah. note, and it was on the bed, and it said, do not let Winona come to my funeral. She's mentally ill. That's all that the note hey. said. Um now, keep in mind that Naomi was having some mental issues, which is why she had talked about killing herself in the past. Ashley Judd, the other daughter, had talked in the past that they've had to monitor uh, Naomi for fear that she was going to do this type of thing. Well, they got written out of the will, didn't they? They did. Ashley Nothing. and Winona were both out of the will. She left everything to her husband. Now, whether or not the husband is going to give the daughters anything, I don't know. But both daughters were left out of the will. Uh, but the note specifically said, again? Winona, quote, do not let Winona come to my funeral. She's mentally and ill. Did she go? She went to the funeral. She did go to the funeral. So I guess, well, what do you think about that? Like, if somebody that you love, your wife, your kids, your parents, ugh. they say, don't let Nigel come to my funeral. Would you show up anyway? You and, and Naomi was obviously not in the right state of mind. I mean, you, right. have, a, you have a mentally ill person that that killed themselves, that ended their own life, saying that Winona is mentally ill, and I don't want her at my funeral. She was preparing to go back out on the road with Winona. They were going to have another Judd's tour coming up in the near future. Uh, would I go? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I think I'd probably still go, especially if... She went. She Well, she did. I would have thought Ashley Judd would be the, the one that would, would have been uh, targeted for being insane. No, but they were both written out of the will, which is interesting. Ashley's the one, that, the activist. Right. Right. I got bloodstains in my panties. <laughs> former wife of yeah. Dario Franchitti. Former is the key word there. Yeah. Right, right. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, it's uh, interesting, though. That Yeah, I mean, if I loved my mom and I knew she wasn't in the right state of mind and she left a post-it note, I'd still probably go unless unless my, the whole family was against me somehow. Right. I mean, funerals are supposed to be for the living. They ain't for the dead. True. You know what? In a weird way... I view wedding receptions the same way, because I DJ wedding receptions. I've kind of retired from it now, but I've always said, the wedding, that's for you. The bride, the groom, yeah. this is your moment in the sun. The reception is about your guests. It's about them having fun <laughs> as a family. I know. So this was uh, one of those things that falls in that category, but yeah, I'm with you. I think I, if someone said, Jason, don't come to the funeral, I'd probably still go. I've got some news for you here, Nige. Hell has probably frozen over. You're kidding. Stephen A. Smith of ESPN no. has apologized no for something. Hey, what'd he say? He went on the. I heard him on Stern the other day. Sherry Shepard show, and he apologized for something he said about Rihanna. What? Now, here's his original comments about Rihanna, who's going to be performing at halftime of the Super Bowl. Are you excited for this halftime show? I don't want to say I'm not excited. She's fantastic. That's, yes. not, where I'm, that's not where I'm going with this. Okay, where are you going with? She's a lot of things. She's spectacular, actually. Yes. And congratulations on new mamahood. I sense There's what? one thing she's not. Uh-huh. She ain't Beyonce. I know she's not Okay. Did I hear anything in there that deserves an apology? And I don't think that warrants an apology. Some of the things he said in the past where he has not apologized for, but he felt the need to do so. 
I'm going to own it. I know what y'all trying to do. I want Rihanna to know you're a superstar and you are a worthy person to be doing the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm just saying that I'm a Beyonce fan. That's all. Rihanna, go do your thing. I apologize for creating whatever brouhaha comes of this. I got to be more careful where people twist it and turn it into something it ain't. My bad on that. Good luck, sweetie. Looking forward to seeing you perform. You know you got to turn it out. And I believe you will. Out of all the things Stephen A. Smith has said, and I like Stephen A. Smith, and I don't agree with everything he said, especially some of the the, the racial justice stuff, the kneeling, the Kaepernick stuff. But all the things he said, he's apologizing because he said he'd basically rather see Beyonce than Rihanna at the halftime show, the Super Bowl. Who are you and what have you done with Stephen A. Smith? Wow. You mentioned uh, that he went on Stern. Did you hear the part about where Kobe Bryant called him and just uh, read him the riot act? I heard, I heard no, no. I heard the clip. There was a clip where he's talking about him and his dad. Him and his dad did not get along. They didn't talk for like twenty years, which is a pretty riveting story. Act. Hey, Stephen A. Smith's got a new book out. Right, and so he's doing the he's doing the press tour. But what do you say about Kobe? So he is telling the story of how he went on ESPN and ripped on Kobe. Right, and the next morning he had a voicemail from a very ticked off Kobe Bryant. Voicemail. You know who this is, mother. Get your ass up, pick up the phone, and call me back. That bullshit you just said. Your ass better not go on the air and say some other shit before you talk to me. Look, you say you watching basketball. The mother watched the game. You didn't see this person do this. You didn't see him do this. You didn't see this dude miss this back cut. You didn't see this dude miss this dunk. You didn't see him drop the damn three passes that I threw to him over the first 20 minutes. The f*** are you talking about? And by the way, you see here and you see this coach, right? He don't know what the f*** he doing, Steve. He don't know what he's doing, Steve. What you doing? What you talking about? So you're going to bring up all that sh- about me, but you didn't bring up that. And then he'll go like this. I have no idea why I love your ass, but I love you. He said, but you go on the air, you say that shit again, I'm calling you to curse your ass out. That was Kobe Bryant leaving a voicemail on Stephen A. Smith's phone. Just going off on a rant on Stephen A. That is classic. Giving him a taste of his own medicine. Kobe. Um, A new poll is out that found the average adult keeps 20 toys, 20 from their childhood, mostly to pass down to their kids and grandkids, uh, the three most common uh, kept toys, Barbie dolls, Legos, and Hot Wheels. Do you have any? No, I think my mom gave my daughter some of her old dolls. Does that count? I don't. I didn't. I haven't done that. No, unless you count baseball cards. I That's think, my question. I, I, are we are we counting baseball and I mean, basketball, football cards? My, my son still looks all throughout through through my baseball card. I don't think he really doesn't understand what he's looking at or knows any of the players. Still think it's cool. They're in the little plastic holders or whatever yeah. in the binder. Right. Back in the day, uh, man, the card collection game was huge. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> right. For some reason, I was obsessed with Will Clark. I had like some sort of Rain Man thing with Will Clark where I had like 500 Will Clark baseball cards. I have no idea why. As a Cub fan, no I can clue. say go to hell because, <laughs> really? boy, that series he had against the Cubs in the playoffs where he bat like damn near 600. Yeah. I still think about that as a Cubs fan. Cubs were the better team, but Will Clark single-handedly beat the Cubs in that series. I've passed a few cards down to the kids. I've got some you know rare baseball cards, yeah. like a Jordan rookie, some other things. So, yeah. 
yeah, but other no, than cars. No Legos or Hot Wheels or anything like that. No. Right? Okay. We had a fire in the apartment complex I lived in as a kid. So, like, the toys oh, were probably all destroyed. But, uh, yeah, other than baseball cards, I got nothing. If you've passed some toys on to your kids, let us know what they are. Hit us up on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel, or Facebook. Just look for Hammer and Nigel. All right, I'm looking out the window of our studio here. I see Rob Kendall. He's got a shirt off. Oh, He's oiling himself up. Oh, He's oh. punching himself in the face. He's getting <laughs> fired up to come in here and go off the rails. Rob Kendall coming up right now. Here's the news. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall on 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel Hammers here. Rob Kendall, Indigo, off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. So two weeks, legislative session. Lawmakers are all uh, hobnobbing there in the state house. And have we accomplished anything, Rob? Well, there's there's a there's a plan for the state sandwich. Uh, okay. There's there's a, there's a plan for a state nickname. Is it the McRib? I know we've been lobbying. Is the McRib in the running to be the state sandwich? It is. So you, this is the most Indiana government thing ever. So the, the it's the tenderloin, and the guy who's sponsoring the bill is a state senator from Huntington named Andy Zay. Well, Andy Zay lives in Jim Banks' congressional district, so his signature issue this year is the tenderloin, and like within nine hours of Jim Banks announcing that he's running for Senate, Andy Zay announces he's running for Jim Banks' soon-to-be open con- <laughs> congressional seat. This that, is this is Indiana politics. Anything with the property taxes. I know that's something, but a huge topic on the... On the did I say something funny? Oh, anything helping the taxpayers, Nigel! <laughs> Okay, so look, if it's is it on the taxpayers' mind, then is this a big concern for a constituent? Uh, like if they're not discussing it or talking about it. First of all, back up. What's going on with property taxes? Why do people need be, need to be concerned? And then we'll we'll fast forward. Well, the assessments came down last year, and the assessments went through the roof. And naturally, when your home is taxed based on what your home is assessed at, a percentage of what your home is assessed at, it's, it's only basic math. This is property taxes are about to skyrocket. Now, they've estimated somewhere between 5 and 8% for the state. The problem is a property in Reelsville is probably not going to see near the increase a property in Brownsburg or Westfield or Carmel's going to see. So in central Indiana, it's not unreasonable to say that people are going to see, many people could see, uh, their property taxes go up 20 30 40%. Which, if you look what's happening in America... 
you've got real wages not keeping up with inflation. So people are getting a pay cut year over year. Uh, the gas prices, they go up, they go down, but they're still way higher than they were a couple of years ago. And now you're telling me my property taxes are going up as well. Yeah, and they've known about this for years, right? It's not like this assessment process hasn't been wholly ridiculous for years. But this is why lawmaker, why I loathe these people. People say, Rob, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> <laughs> and they say, that a lot and this and this is why because the taxpayers were very clear in 2008 and then in 2010 when they put them in the constitution that our homes are not government local government's personal piggy bank the local governments were totally out of control they put tax caps into the constitution because people wanted local governments to feel pain you are not properly stewarding our money you need to suffer a little bit well now uh, almost immediately obviously they put that referendum clause in so almost immediately schools started trying to worm their way around it and now for the past basically 15 years, we have seen the intent of the property tax caps being subverted through the assessments where at any point the assessor can say, well, your house is worth $30,000 more than it was a year ago. Well, naturally, then your taxes go up without anybody actually raising your tax rate. Yeah. Crazy. So, Rob, I know you've talked about this a lot. You used to declare yourself a tax-cutting machine. Yes, greatest tax, okay? municipal tax cutter in state history. Yes, thank you. It was in your Twitter Twitter bio, yes, tax-cutting machine. 13.5% property tax cut in 2012, largest tax municipal property tax. That's great. That is cool. So what would be your solution to this? Because I hear a lot of people, a lot of your haters say, oh, that Rob, all he does is talk, but there's no answers. If you were working over at the Indiana State House right now, and you had the ability to sway some people on some things, how do we fix this kind of thing? Well, the obvious answer, and this is the answer that the Republicans in Indiana won't even consider because they are wholly invested now in legalized vote buying, is that we should be out of the property tax, the annual property tax game altogether, right? It is completely ridiculous that you are not monetizing something and you are taxed for it. This is the only time that happens. When you buy a stock, you don't get taxed on that stock until you monetize it. So the obvious solution would be, look, you buy this house and then when you sell the house, you are taxed on the income you make on the house. Now, I would get out of property taxes altogether, but I think a fair compromise that is pro-taxpayer is to say, look, whether it's 7%, 10%, whatever, when you finally sell that house and make some money on it, now you're going to pay you're going to pay the government. My dad's lived in the same house for 37 years. He's never monetized that asset. My dad has paid far more in property taxes with me out of school than he has in because I've been out of school longer than I've been in it that he's owned that house. That's ridiculous. But the- roads and fire uh, departments and police officers and, you know, that those kinds of things. That's what property taxes go for. I'm not arguing, but this is what Abdul's uh, argument was with us the other day when I said, you never really own your property. Uh, Hammer, they passed a referendum recently in Beach Grove, did they not? They did. Now, did that money end up going to make teachers infinitely better or more qualified? No. Where'd it go? <laughs> well, there's an awesome football field. There's an awesome baseball field. And uh, I think maybe a little bit went to the band room. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. These local governments do not want to be held accountable. And 15 years after tax caps, which were a clear message that they from the voters yeah. that you people are completely out of control, they have figured out about nine different ways to worm their way around it. I 
promise you, as someone who was once in local government, the amount of money these local governments waste on needless bull crap, you would never know it's gone. We're going off the rails with Rob Kendall. So this week, Jim Banks has been making the rounds. He spoke with Tony. He spoke with us. Uh, he did not speak with you, no. Rob. No. Because I think there's a little bad blood between you and Representative Jim Banks. Why are you so anti-Jim Banks? Well, the fact that Jim Banks won't come on our show, he's one of those... Have you reached out to him? He knows where to find me. He used to text message me all the time. You know, When he doesn't like something he heard on our show. And I said, hey, call me. We'll talk about it. No phone call. He knows how to get a hold of me. Jim Banks is not going to come on our show because... I don't buy his bull crap. Is I- there anybody that you like, though? Because, again, the question you brought up earlier, why are you the way you are? I think Nige and I, in a way, are kind of like you, and we don't want to be friends yeah. with any of these people. But at the same time, you have to vote for somebody. There's not going to be a perfect candidate. You rip on everyone so much from the Duke of Spendingburg uh-huh. to Jim Banks uh-huh. to Holcomb. Oh, yeah. Not that they don't deserve it, but at the same time, a buddy of mine came up to me <laughs> and said, does Rob Kendall know he's the voice of the Democrats in Indiana? <laughs> Do which you get where unfair, they're coming from? Which is unfair, because you should be allowed to criticize Republicans and not be well, Oh, I'm not saying you're not allowed yeah. to criticize yeah, them. Yeah, I get. That's... But sometimes I think our representative from Brownsburg here just beats up so much on the Republicans that it almost lifts up the Democrats. Okay, well, let's answer a couple things. First of all, I treat people the way I expected myself to be treated when I was a an elected official. And you worked at the state house and your boss was our former midday guy, that's wasn't it? That's right. And when I was an elected official, what did I do? We can joke about tax cutting machine, whatever. I cut a whole bunch of taxes. I reformed a whole bunch of government. And I funded a whole bunch of infrastructure. And I didn't expect any hugs from anybody or any kisses on the cheek. <laughs> and people came to the meetings and pounded their fist and said they didn't like me because I was taking the money away from special interests. That's the way it works. If you need a hug, you're in the wrong business if you're in, in government. Now, with banks. My deal with Banks is he lied to me. And what I mean by he lied to me is he promised to be different. He promised to be better. He promised to be conservative, blah, blah, blah. Well, the first time he actually had to put up or shut up, because the entire time he's been in the U.S. Congress, he hadn't had to make any hard votes. The first hard vote he had to cast was for the Speaker of the House. And he had an opportunity. If Jim Banks, and this is the truth and everybody knows it, if Jim Banks had come out and said, I am joining the 20 people who are standing against Kevin McCarthy, Jim Banks has enough clout and swag or sway that he would have been able to keep Kevin McCarthy from being Speaker of the House. Not only did he not do that, he voted for him 15 consecutive times and he was on this radio station saying why that's such a great thing. Kevin McCarthy will be horrific for the American people. We know what Kevin McCarthy is. Jim Banks is a smart guy. He knows what Kevin McCarthy is, but he didn't dare want to tick off Kevin McCarthy because McCarthy's supported by McConnell, and Jim Banks saw what happens when you make Mitch McConnell mad when Marlon Stutzman ran against Todd Young, and Marlon Stutzman got bombarded by like $9 bajillion of Mitch McConnell money, and Todd Young got to be a senator. Jim Banks had an opportunity to be different. He had an opportunity to be better. I'm not going to shake his hand and say, I'm so lucky that you're running when you don't stand up for me. So when the Indiana primary rolls around, and let's say that all of our favorite TV pals are in the mix here. Banks is the only one that's made it official. But let's say Mitch Daniels is in, Victoria Sparks is in, Jim Banks is in. 
You hate all of them, correct? Well, here's what I want. I want the truth to come out about the people. And by the truth, I mean the truth about the voting record. Like Mitch Daniels has this Paul Bunyan-esque persona about him, like that he cut every tax (laughs) and he limited every government. The truth is he did cut some taxes, but he raised a lot of taxes. Property taxes are a great example. When Mitch Daniels capped the property taxes, he raised the sales tax. That wasn't a tax cut. That was a tax shift. Mitch Daniels facilitated billionaire Jim Ursh say who inherited the team from his dad he facilitated me a, a middle class person you Nigel having to pay higher taxes so that Jim Ursay gets a free stadium Mitch Daniels was the architect of a gigantic socialized medicine program that grows every year and costs us more money every year in the state of Indiana that only comes out if he runs I want the Paul Bunyan S tale to be debunked I want people to know what Jim Banks did that he voted for Kevin McCarthy 15 times the only way that happens is if all these people run against each other and start throwing the mud at each other. Let's go! Uh, can you stick around for another oh, segment? Yes, I'm just getting started. Right, going off the rails with Rob Kendall. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Back, going off the rails with Rob Kendall. Jason Hammer's here. My name is Nigel. You had an interesting conversation uh, at the end of the Kendall and Casey show, or, or I guess at the like around 11 o'clock this morning, about who what was about Harrison Ford and what his signature movie was. Yeah, ha- ha- like, Hammer hijacked our show. And, it was uh, my it, segment. <laughs> it's my every segment. day at the same <laughs> time. Segment. So we had been talking about Richard. Hey, I'm not Jim Banks. I'll tell you to go bleep yourself. <laughs> I'll come on your show and tell you right to your Jim face. Banks might single-handedly win. You know how many establishment people would vote for Jim Banks if he told me to blank myself on the radio? <laughs> it'd be the best thing for his campaign. Oh, absolutely. It he, really would. And it'd be the best thing for me. Everybody'd get out ahead. We've talked about this before. If Jeb Bush would have walked across that debate stage, yeah. or Ted Cruz, and punched Donald Trump in the face, they'd be the nominee. Absolutely. <laughs> so so we had been talking about Richard Dreyfuss, uh, the segment before, and I said, you know, I think he's kind of overrated as an actor. He had some good movies, but there's not like this catalog of greatness. And then Hammer came in. Mr. And, Holland's Opus. Yeah. And we were talking about what is the signature Richard Dreyfus movie. And then and that, we said Jaws. Yeah. yeah I think oh, everybody okay, would, yeah. would, even though What About Bob is his best movie, I think Jaws Oh, is that's what one best, too. Yeah. That's known Close for. Close Encounters. And then we got on Harrison Ford, and, and Hammer made a great asked a great question is what is the signature role of Harrison Ford because there are so many is it Indiana Jones or is it Man. Han Solo what's his signature role is he say, Indiana Jones or is he Han Solo you I, gotta I, pick one. I became more familiar with Han Solo uh, and then Indiana Jones so I would just say personally I think it's Han Solo um, he's made some bad Indiana Jones movies. Of course, Return of the Jedi was kind of brutal as well. It was, uh, but for the most part, his sequels have been okay. They've made money, at, at the very least. The argument for Indiana Jones is he was the star of Indiana Jones. I don't think Harrison Ford was the star yeah, of the Star Wars agree, movies. I agree with that. That was Mark Hamill. That was Carrie Fisher. Um, it was an ensemble cast, to right. be sure, but he was a standout. Yeah, and, and Harrison Ford is so good, and then it sparked another conversation. I think you, for many people, you could throw The Fugitive in there as well, because there were two of them, and they were both wildly successful. Huge. And then Hammer asked the question, and I think it's a good question, as much as I hate to give him credit for anything, <laughs> uh, is Harrison Ford the most accomplished actor of all time? If you include like like box office success and star power, is he the most accomplished actor of all time? He's got a new Indiana Jones movie that actually looks really good coming out, I 
I think this year or maybe next year, uh, you look at the length of the career and all of the hits from the clear and present dangers to the Air Force Ones to all of that kind of stuff. I think it's Harrison Ford number one. Yeah, I mean, you got Tom Cruise on that list. Robert De Niro is probably a part of that. But it's Jack like, Nicholson, Tom Hanks. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great conversation uh, to have, and we're not talking about like greatest actor of all time. And this is like like a Marlon Brando or or someone like that. I but like Clay Bla- I, I like Kate Blanchett. She's had some really good roles. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I mean, You're comparing really her to Harrison Ford? Yeah. I can't name one Kate Blanchett movie. I can't either, and I'm not trying to be mean when I'm I I'm not a that. movie guy. <laughs> I admit that, but I, was, I can't name a single movie. What's the, was, what's the marquee Kate Blanchett movie? I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> oh, what are we doing? What the hell are we doing? <laughs> Rob, what's coming up on the show tomorrow? Well, I think we're going to get into this breaking news about Alec Baldwin. I think this is super interesting. I think it's an example of justice getting served for once where these celebrities don't get to skate. I think at least, you know, per Preliminarily, the prosecutor kind of got got uh, got this right. So we'll dig into that. Want to thank, as always, our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis, and thank both of you guys because you're the best. He's off the rails. Yeah. He's Rob Kendall. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.